0: Radio, streaming online at www.kkfi.org. The views and opinions of this program are those of its host and guests, and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of 90.1 FM, KKFI, Midcoast Radio Project, or its staff and volunteers.
1: Mastery, sad story Still waiting for the truth to be told. Not now, whoa, whoa, whoa.
2: It won't be there now. Right. Right.
1: Think wrong. Wrong. You right. your thing. Think your thing. Think your thing. Think your thing. your 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 Loud whispering for we know. oh, eastern turn mercenaries coming ten oh, thousand strong. Motherland, yeah, yeah. Oh, we know, boy, angels turned mercenaries coming to thousands strong, wrong, wrong. Hello.
3: And you're listening to 90.1 FM, KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. This is Urban Connections with Brother Jay on the board, and we have Donna online. Donna, can you hear me?
0: I can hear you fine, Jay. Thank Ex- you so much for being here.
3: Excellent. Uh, so. Being our
0: engineer today on uh, Urban Connections. I am coming at your remote via Zoom. Uh, We have our co-host Karen E. Griffin in the studio, alongside our guest, Dr. Cecilia McBride-Robinson, who's an historian and professor emerita of William Jewell College in Liberty, Missouri. Welcome to Urban Connections and KKFI, Dr. Cecilia Robinson. Thank you. It's great to have you with us. You were supposed to be here um, a couple of months ago uh, celebrating uh, Juneteenth, but uh, because of the loss in your, that you suffered in your family, you weren't able to be with us. So, again, my condolences, and our love and support to you, and thank you for coming to us uh, to share your story with us
4: Thank
0: you for on this me. day. Um, so you're an historian. And you uh, focus on African-American uh, history. Uh, you're Professor Emerita of William Jewell College. just want to give you the bio to the people a little bit, if you don't mind. Uh, Dr. Cecilia uh, Robinson began her career as an educator in the state of Missouri in 1972. And before her teaching appointment at William Jewell College, She taught at Prairie View A&M University in Texas. She taught at Oak Park High School in North Kansas City, Missouri, and Penn Valley Community College in Kansas City, Missouri. Now, while at William Jewell College in Liberty, uh, Dr. Robinson received a faculty appointment to teach at Harlaxton College in Grantham, England, and we want her to tell us a little bit about about that if she will. Also, over the years, Dr. Robinson has volunteered and worked on behalf of causes that champion cultural awareness, racial diversity, and understanding in Kansas City's Northland. She created the award-winning program Pins Across the Metroplex, which is a pen pal project that linked more than 10,000 urban and suburban youth and 300 teachers over a 10-year period. Again, no small fee. So as an historian for the black community, Dr. Robinson has researched more than 150 African-American pioneers, businesses, churches, and schools in Clay County from the 1800s to the 2000s. Now these um, individuals and accomplishments, pioneers, businesses are inscribed on the Freedom Fountain Monument, which is located on the lawn of the old courthouse square in uh, Liberty Missouri. Uh, Dr. Robinson served as the Liberty Missouri Martin Luther King Jr. celebration program chair for over 30 years and she currently serves as historian and gallery curator for Clay County African American Legacy Inc. and for the Garrison School Cultural Center in Liberty Missouri. Dr. Robinson earned local and state awards for community service, including Outstanding Missourian Award, the AT&T Human Relations Reward, the Evelyn Wasserstrom Award, and the Liberty Martin Luther King Jr. Community Service Award. Um, she's a member of the Assistance League of the Kansas City Board, um, of Kansas City Board, and she she's a member of the Clay County Historical Millennium Board the Rebuilding Together Clay County Board, and the Northland Coalition for Justice. This busy and prolific woman is vice president of the Greater Kansas City Black History Study Group. She's the deaconess at First Baptist Church of Liberty, where she serves as chair of the Board of Trustees. She is the widow of deceased Northland community leader, Kenneth Robinson. So that is who we are honored to have in studio wow. with us here today.
5: Sounds um, like some military Dr. boots we're walking in you? today. I'm sorry. Sounds like we're gonna be walking in some military boots today.
0: <laughs> it sounds like it, Miss Karen. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dr. Robinson, how did how did you become professor emeritus at William Jewell College?
4: I taught at William Jewell College for 34 years. And once you end your teaching career as a professor, you then become emeritus with all of the rights and privileges that you had while you were teaching and a few perks along the way, Ooh. which means that I can go back to the campus at any time, participate in programs, projects. I just don't have a vote for um, The um, within the faculty as a voting member, but um, Mm -hmm. that work that work that you have done uh, allows you to become emeritus professor. Wow! So I was a full professor. I was a full professor, and so um, at the end of the thirty-four years, um, I received the Mm -hmm. professor emeritus status. Status. So.
0: Just speaking for myself, who knew about the rich cultural history and legacy of African-Americans in Clay County, Missouri? Can you tell us about African-Americans in Clay County, Missouri, historically?
4: Yes, I began my work looking at the African-American community of Clay County, in 1989, at that time, we were celebrating the first Juneteenth celebration in the suburbs in the state of Missouri. Mm-hmm. That was 1989, and um, mm-hmm. we we were going to have this 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 uh, celebration, and. People did not know about Juneteenth at that time, other than, well, of course it had its beginnings in Texas, but other places had freedom celebrations that were going on, but not necessarily Juneteenth. Uh, It was a freedom Mm -hmm. celebration when African Americans discovered that they were free at the end of the Civil War. For the border states, the Civil War was still going on, and therefore, they did not receive uh, notice of freedom until 1865. And so the African Americans in, um, in Liberty uh, were not freed until January the 11th, 1865. Mm. But um, anyway, I began uh, researching this information. My mother had written me a letter and I told her I was going to be working on Juneteenth. And so she said, well, why don't you interview some of the seniors that are still around and find out something about what Juneteenth meant to them and then maybe some of the young people to see what Juneteenth would mean to them and um, maybe you could write up, write up some information because she had gone to the library in Dallas to look up information on Juneteenth. And at that time, in 89, all she could find was a little folder with a, with a little information about Juneteenth. And so I began to uh, research and uh, I started going around doing oral interviews with the seniors of Liberty, Missouri, who were still uh, alive at the time, who had oral histories Mm -hmm. that talked about their history in Clay County. And so that's how I began the work. And um, by 2000, I began... uh, we, it was the Kansas City celebration of the heart, and we received uh, a ten thousand dollar grant from the from Kansas City, Missouri, to do a project in Clay County uh, for that Sesquicentennial celebration. And we decided with a group that we had then it was the uh, Clay County African American. Um, uh, consortium, and we decided that, uh, with the group, decided that we were going to do a monument in honor of African Americans who had made contributions to Clay County. For me, I wanted it to be, the monument on it generally recognizes, it's a statement that we recognize all of the African Americans who had made a contribution to building Clay County. Mm-hmm. But for me, as um A person interested in history because I am a volunteer historian I wanted to make Mm -hmm. sure that I could identify who were the people who made these contributions because you could just literally say well there were some enslaved people who made contributions Mm -hmm. who were they so I wanted to know Mm -hmm. who they were and what they did and so I um, was able to uh, research and get uh, as, as you said earlier when I was, I researched to find out the names of all the African-American churches and the African-American schools and businesses and pioneers mm-hmm. that, that started here in um, the 1820s, at, after the uh, Missouri Compromise, they arrived here, many of them in 1817. That was when uh, the first group of people came into uh, Clay County. Clay County is 200 years old. And so uh, mm-hmm. these people came wow. here with their uh, enslaved owners, and I mean, their owners who had enslaved them. And usually mm-hmm. brought by maybe... Uh, three, two or three, but not large numbers because the largest number of African-Americans who were enslaved were still in the South. But the Missouri okay. Compromise and coming to Clay County was a place where they could come and start a new life and try to get uh, a life like they had known, some of them had known when they lived in the South. Mm.
0: Now, Um there is the Clay County um, Legacy Organization um, that you are affiliated with, and I want to make reference to uh, a pamphlet from theirs that you, uh, as you mentioned, uh, it says that African Americans first came to liberty in 1817 Mm -hmm. with their southern slave owners uh, from tennessee kentucky north carolina and uh, virginia Mm -hmm. and um, by the 1850s uh, liberty's african-american population comprised just over 20 percent of the total population of liberty does that still stand is the african african-american population in Clay County currently, uh, 20% oh, no. of the total population? No,
4: no. After, after the end of the Civil War, uh, many of the African Americans left and uh, went to Kansas City and moved to other places. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the end of the Civil War, of course, came uh, the, uh, you know, the, the, well, at the, in 1865, many of them uh, left to go to other places because there was not anything to do here, uh, farming, that mm-hmm. was basically it. Mm-hmm. And if you were not working on a farm, then you, you had to move or go somewhere else. Yeah. And so then um, many of the African Americans moved and began a migration during the um, World War, World War I mm-hmm. and then World War II, the Great Migration and many of them moved to Kansas City, but they had been living on, uh, many of them, on farms here in Clay County.
0: Wow. Okay. And I would imagine that post-Civil War, being in a border state such as Missouri was, the climate probably wasn't so great for African Americans in small towns. Is that a reasonable assumption?
4: Yes, it is. during reconstruction however that was a time period that the african-americans were able to begin to build a community their own community they were able to build mm-hmm. their own churches they were able to uh build and get their own schools. Yeah. so the first school in uh, african-american school in um in clay county was about 1867. it wasn't garrison school mm-hmm but it was located near where Garrison School is. The uh, Freedmen's Bureau Act of, of 1866 provided um, uh, educational opportunities for blacks beyond southern states. And so uh, the Missouri governor at the time, Thomas Fletcher, appointed a black man by the name of James Milton Turner to create freedom schools across Missouri. And he established the first freedom school in Liberty in 1867. And um, he went on to become uh, ambassador to uh, he was appointed by Grant later uh, to become the ambassador to Liberia. But uh, the school there in 1867 that he established he had a relationship with of course the the notorious <laughs> Jesse James and others. yeah so, yes yeah, so there was a, there, there was a school before the first public school after he, established his school then 1865 there were two women one white and one black Lucretia uh, uh, Robinson and Laura Armstrong they created uh, schools in their homes subscription schools where students for African Americans and Indian students paid a dollar a month to to go to school.
5: So, so homeschooling. Home that that's exactly Way before Zoom yeah. kicked in, they've been at home, <laughs> they home homeschooling. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, uh, that was
4: 1865, even before uh, wow. the, uh, the um, uh, Thomas, I'm um, sorry, James Milton Turner had established his. Mm-hmm. So then those two schools came immediately following the Civil War in 1865, because um, it was against the law to teach African-Americans to read uh in uh they had a a literacy law in 1847 uh missouri did missouri general assembly uh created a, a, a literacy law that said it was illegal to teach blacks to read and to write and if you did you were given a fine and uh you had to pay a bit money
5: <laughs> yes I gotta pay to, to because I want to educate myself I think it's just so not right to say that you cannot read or write so basically what you're trying to say you were just afraid of me empowering myself and being able to speak over you and intelligently and articulate myself to you
4: well, you know, uh, education is a passport to freedom. Yes. So once you can read and you mm-hmm. can write, right. then you can write uh, notes and write maybe even create your own mission papers and right. things that you needed to get from one place to another. Mm-hmm. And if you were on a farm with uh, or you had lived with uh, in a on a plantation where the owner's wife would oftentimes teach enslaved uh children to read and write depending on where or uh, what are. what plantation you were on right. would determine whether or not the uh, uh the woman of the the, the house mistress would right. would would uh teach her children
5: to but dr cecilia children. even though it was against the law to read and write and please agree or disagree with me but there was still some kind of artistic form with the quilt oh, that was your yeah. conversation piece so if you think about it we were already reading and writing but it was in a coloring format. It was in a pattern format. And and I think a lot of people get confused when they look at quilts. Quilts was not meant to keep you warm. They were a conversation piece to tell you, don't you don't go that way yeah. i need you to go yes. this way yes. so we well, think about the underground
4: railroad course yes yes, yes. so
5: there was a form yes. of communication right. just so people that are listening don't think right you know we did not have some form of oh, communication yeah.
4: Oh, yeah. well you would you we would communicate from one from one plantation to the other one yeah. of the ways in which you would do would, communication would be funerals yes and funerals were always held on sundays and the reason that the funerals were held on Sundays was uh, so that the African-Americans who lived a, a distance away from each other, mm-hmm. they would be able to come and be a part of the burial or what have you, and then they could leave and go back on on Monday morning, well, after the funeral, to be ready to work on Monday morning. Mm-hmm. So when you would have that, yes, you would come together and find out what's going on. You know, everybody was, <laughs> everybody was talking to one another. So families would be able to see one another, and I guess right. they did courting. I don't know what all they did, but <laughs> uh, burials gossip. were. <laughs> that was a that was a means by which you could you could communicate as well. Yeah.
0: Dr. Robinson, I noticed that you make reference to enslaved people as opposed to slaves. Uh, I hear a lot of people, when, when the discussion is, is happening about slavery, they, they refer to people as slaves, and you noticeably keep saying enslaved people. Can you talk about the difference between that way of thinking and speaking?
4: Well, because I'm a member of the Association for the Study of African American Life and History that was established by Dr. Carter G. Woodson, It's sort of like uh, the bylaws for what you do and how you (laughs) how you refer and so I I look at that and say well what 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 are we to do now how do we how do we because there are those who still say slaves Mm -hmm. and uh, those who say enslaved Mm -hmm. but we were we were not voluntarily slaves we were enslaved right okay and Mm -hmm. uh, the Persons who enslaved us were enslavers, yes. and so that—that—that um, mm-hmm. that, that is the way. But I, I i do it because of the fact that, and and try to, but it's it's hard sometimes because before uh, the Black Lives and Black Matter movement mm-hmm. and before all of this, we were still saying slaves. We were not saying
0: enslaved, right.
4: and so you have to have to check myself sometimes. Right? Okay. <laughs> I love it
0: yeah i i think that kind of language when you refer to people as slaves is continuing to dehumanize the right. people the individuals who were enslaved against their will and right. and i just don't think uh, um that should be um forgotten that's right. a that's a for me an important uh, uh distinction to right. make um Talk about the Clay County African-American Legacy Incorporated Organization and the Garrison School Cultural Center.
4: Okay. The Clay County African-American Legacy is uh, we are Garrison School, but we incorporated and became a 501c3. So Garrison Mm -hmm. School um, uh, Incorporated Mm -hmm. in 2003. And we became—it uh, was Garrison School, but we, our name became the Clay County African American Legacy Inc. Mm. Okay, so that is okay. who we are. We are Garrison School. Everybody knows us as Garrison School, right. but we also are Clay County African American Legacy. But we're just the uh, the 501c3 incorporated. Okay.
0: Okay. And your your purpose is to pr- preserve the. The legacy of uh, of the contributions of African-Americans in
4: Clay County. Yes, preserve the history, celebrate the culture, and improve human relations.
5: And what year did the school come into Mm -hmm. existence again?
4: 1877.
5: So was that the only black school in Liberty that was the only
4: black school in Liberty, but there were other black schools in other Clay County uh, cities. Mm-hmm. There was one in Excelsior Springs. There was one wow. in Birmingham. There was one in Randolph, I, if I'm not mistaken. There was one in North Kansas City um, up at White Oak. Mm-hmm. So there were other other uh, African-American schools, but in our city of right. Liberty, a uh, um, Garrison was the first school, and it was... Um, uh named by the principal that came in by the name of uh professor james a gay he named it garrison after william lord garrison the abolitionist that uh we are so familiar
5: with mm-hmm. now was that been one of those schools that had two classrooms you know i hear that story and it's like why well, did all these schools always got two classrooms so it's like what was what was recess like and how did you switch classes like now with the bell well, you had, you had an auditorium you had
4: an auditorium and I think they've partitioned it off <laughs> so you could have the, the fourth grade and the third grade and, and the first and second grade you could put first second and third to well, grade together and then fourth fifth and sixth and well, but well there were rooms there they were
3: yeah rooms. and well and then a, a lot of what we look at as the traditional school day yeah. was shaped by industry right and so that wasn't a part of the education <laughs> just yet you know what i mean what, what they did you know to get us to used to work in factories and all that kind of stuff that's what shaped the classroom that's we were in yeah. right? yes, yes. <laughs> those classrooms were dedicated to just education yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so they weren't worried about recess Yeah.
5: Well, and the reason why I ask because it's always good to know what would. I would love to know what was that setting like, like to actually feel what it was like. Because I went down to the Missouri historical site um, off of Martin City and was inside of one of those little classrooms mm-hmm. with one teacher, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh! And nowadays, you look at it, you got thirty kids mm-hmm. to one teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, I this explain what the school setting was in. Garrison at the school like what was the I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to get the words out like the, you know how like now you know like in most schools they say the teachers know the parents the parents know the teachers they were very involved with the children they were disciplined they understood you can get discipline at school from your research do you re, do you know what the setting was like at the school
4: well of course you had you had principal had a principal and you had teachers who worked under that principal and the community was a part of it and so you you um, parents and teachers and all worked together mm-hmm. and kids would have to go home at lunchtime because there was no cafeteria there was no playground there was there was absolutely none of the things that you see that are a part of the educational system, system now. now
5: yeah okay
0: okay um Kim's telling me we need to take a break right now, and when we come back, we will continue our conversation with our guest, Dr. Cecilia Robinson, who's a historian and professor emerita of William Jewell College. She works with organizations in uh, the Liberty, Missouri area uh, that are preserving the history and celebrating the culture of African-Americans in Clay County, Missouri. So that's Dr. Robinson, and we'll be back after these messages. Take it away, Jay.
4: Hi, I'm Larry Kay, host of Indigenous & Music. I'm inviting you to join me every Thursday morning with your cup of joe, starting at 3 a.m. till 5. I'll be spinning you new and original music along with great interviews from our Indigenous musicians. And if you miss us, you can always find us at archive.kkfi.org. We are 90.1
1: KKFI Kansas City, radio-powered by diversity.
5: Did you know your business or organization could be
4: sponsoring this episode of Urban Connections? Learn more at kkfi.org marketing.
3: And you're listening to 90.1 90. FM, KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. Donna, you on?
0: I'm here. All right. Thank you so much, Jay. Yes. Uh, that was Ziggy Marley and the Melody Makers, Black My Story. Uh, you're tuned to 90.1 FM, KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. Urban Connections is the program. I'm your host, Donna Wolfe. Um, Zooming in to the conversation uh, with our co-host, Karen E. Griffin, our engineer, Jay Hawkins, and our guest, Dr. Cecilia Robinson. They're in KJFI Studios in lovely Midtown, Kansas City. Uh, Dr. Robinson, um, about the um, Clay County African American uh, Legacy Incorporated Organization, Mm -hmm and the Garrison School, there are two pamphlets on the the website Mm -hmm. uh, of the organization, Um, and that is uh, ccaal-garrisonschool.org. There are two pamphlets on there that to me are just amazing. I had no idea uh, of the amount of uh, historical sites uh, regarding African American history that are in Liberty, Missouri, can can you share some of those uh, with us uh, and our listeners uh, so they'll so they'll be aware? I simply was not aware of all the uh, Black history that took place yes. in Clay County, Missouri.
4: All right. The African American uh, sites in, uh, historical sites in Liberty, um, I made a brochure and I can't remember if it was 2015 or, or I'm sorry, uh, uh, probably probably 2016 or 17. Um, I went around to look at and identify the general public sites because <clears throat> the very first church in Liberty, Missouri, uh, the first uh, African-American uh, Baptist Church, First Baptist Church, was established in 1843, built in 1869. Uh, and uh, we were the first of the community to have this church. Uh, mm-hmm. The white church in uh, Liberty is Second Baptist Church, built in about 1915. But anyway, um, Garrison, we we're in the Garrison Historic District. And so we had that church and then we had the... Um, that was one of the sites and then we had uh saint luke african methodist episcopal church mm-hmm. that was on main street and that one was built in 1875 and then we have the um the pentecostal church um, that was humphrey temple that came about about the 18 i'm sorry about the 1920s and so we have the baptist church the methodist church mm-hmm. and the pentecostal church right. when, you know Pentecostal churches the Kojic the Church of God in Christ is, is one of the mm-hmm. only churches that actually founded by total African Americans mm-hmm. and so that that church is still in existence in liberty and our mm-hmm. church uh First Baptist Church is still in existence and we are over uh, almost 180 years old now wow and we still and, and you're a deaconess Yes I
0: am. <laughs> uh, at that church. Yes I am. Yes I That's am. Amazing yes, That's amazing history. That's amazing
5: history to and be
0: so the and amazing is, I think to be affiliated with something that is that yeah. is that much
4: longevity oh yes and, and such a legacy of the families the pioneer families who have found that church and and who have found the uh the african-american community the schools. so you had you had garrison school cultural right. center you had your own church and then all of the businesses that that uh african-americans had in their homes restaurants had own theater. See, you had uh, you had a you had a funeral home, Singleton Funeral Home. You had Rhodes Theater. You had uh, the buy shops, the <laughs> whatever food. I mean, whatever food you wanted. One lady, Mrs. Uh, Gay, made um, beaten biscuits and sold them out of her home. And you had people who um, we had our own beauty shops. We had our own everything. everything. Every it was a microcosm you see, of the larger community. Because if you couldn't go into places th- that would not serve African Americans, then you create your the own homes, space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we had a mm-hmm. gardener. We, we had our own garden, uh, 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 Mr. Uh, Cornier's Bird at Sunny Day Gardens. And people, black and white, would come to get their plants from him and to get information mm-hmm. about uh, planting. And so we have so many businesses and... Uh, I think that had so many businesses that that were ongoing until uh, we began to move out yeah. and go from Liberty into Kansas City and other places, and other spaces. So we had the churches that are included on the uh, public site. I think one of the most important sites that we have recently is the um, at the Fairview Cemetery in Liberty. In that cemetery. Uh, Last summer, we dedicated a monument in honor of over 750 African Americans who were buried mostly in unmarked graves. We were able to identify all of the the 750 that are listed, including veterans, including the people who lived there and uh, who lived in Liberty and were a part of these churches and these schools (laughs) and these businesses. We were able to have, as a matter of fact, one of the most impressive uh, dedications of a monument there. We had the Masons from the state, Mm -hmm. African-American Masons from the state of Missouri came uh, uh, and Kansas came in full regalia to dedicate that monument and it was so fantastic to see all of them and you know the knights templar you have the you know the royal ark you have all of these men and here they are you have the the tyler coming with his sword marching up the to get to that monument Mm. and unveil Mm. it and the eastern stars and the ladies i mean such such traditions that we don't have now but it goes all the way back to the founding of this country when you think about uh, Prince Hall Masons being the first to have a charter of Masons in the United Come States. And you have the, the charter is at the Smithsonian Insti- Institution in Washington, D.C., where they had the first charter. And you know that's where free blacks, that's where we, the free blacks came in. Mm-hmm. Because the, the millions of African Americans that were living in the South at the time, uh, we're not, when you go to the East Coast and you have those men, uh, George Washington was trying to get men to sign up mm-hmm. for the American Revolution and, and he went and met with Prince Hall and Prince Hall said, well, if, if we sign up, and over 3,000 of them did, then will you give us our freedom? And so George Washington Mm. did do that, and when he gave them, after the war, gave them the freedom, then they had a charter and and was the first, first one to get the charter from England. So you have that kind of history. I know. It's it's really unbelievable (laughs) the kinds of things that you have. And so when you say, you know, the sons of the of the American Revolution and and the daughters of the revolution, you know of the American Revolution, you have to you have to realize that we were masons. I mean, everything that has ever been done in this country, African Americans have been a part Part of of. it. Mm -hmm. Everything that you see built in this country was built with the hands of and a part of African Americans being a part of it. Come
5: on, Doc. (laughs) Education. <laughs> yeah. Well I just think
3: that this conversation and this information is so profound yes. at this time. Yes. yes. And you wonder how does this history get lost? Yes. And this is how it happens. Mm-hmm. You have a generation that says, No, we're not going to allow yep. these stories to go forward. <laughs> and luckily someone like yourself says, No, we know we, we, we're gonna tell right. this story. And so it's just, you know, sitting here listening to you and talking about all of these things that like I said have been lost and here we are experiencing it in real time Mm -hmm. you know
4: yeah if you don't write your history right if it's Mm -hmm. not written nobody Mm -hmm. for nobody to read it's going to be lost right right and uh, Mm -hmm. we have to have someone some somebody out there who are willing to write this history, to research this history. You know, you have to be nosy, I guess, to be a historian and right. researcher because I love <laughs> to research and find the information. Then right. I find something that's like, oh, I just struck gold. Right. I just found a new name. I just found well, something least, else. I love it. Yeah.
3: Well, and I'm sorry, Don. I just have Her, one really Her Her quick J-Z question. <laughs> I'm sorry because, um, you know, we're talking about this, and as an educator – And when you look at um, what a group like Moms for Liberty is doing right now, attacking specifically African-American history and it being taught, um, you know, how do we fight against that? You know, there there never seems to be an opposition group to groups like Moms for Liberty. Mm-hmm. So you have the legacy of the Daughters of the Confederacy who shaped, you know, these monuments mm-hmm. that we're trying to tear down now. Yeah. And so how do we avoid repeating that very ugly history?
4: Well, the only thing I know, you have to talk to your senators and... Your congressman and all the people mm-hmm. who are in the position to lobby for what you need mm-hmm. and uh, go to them and get your, your petitions and, and get them signed and call in and say, this is what we want and what we need. We don't want a DeSantis here. Right. right. <laughs> and and the, and the history is what I don't know the fear of it, because when I think about it, we're saying now we don't want, quote, white individuals to feel uncomfortable. <laughs> what about the four or five hundred years that African-Americans have been yes. made to feel uncomfortable, uncomfortable? Young people going into the classroom not knowing that, that, that you, everyone was not a, enslaved. Right. You see what I'm saying? So, yes.
5: Wow.
0: And perhaps that's another reason why uh, it was illegal uh, to educate uh, black mm-hmm. people for the, for us to know how to read. Because right. then we could write our own stories and our own history right. Right. and teach all of that, uh, you know, to our children right. and right. to have it down from prosperity to prosperity. Yes. Ah, we're going to take another break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Dr. Cecilia Robinson, historian and professor emerita of yes. William Jewell College. And she is the curator at... Uh, the Clay County African-American Legacy Incorporated uh, Garrison School Cultural Center in Liberty, Missouri. Thank you so much for being here with us. Stick around for the next 15 minutes, please, Dr. Robinson, and take it away, Jay. Jaws
1: of Justice Radio investigates how we can achieve justice from a system of laws deeply rooted in economic, political, and social inequality. We strive to dispel misconceptions created by the news and entertainment industries as well as the fear-mongering of the political system. Listen in as we search out the tools needed to make our community a more just environment. Jaws of Justice Radio, Mondays at 9 a.m., right after Democracy Now! Well, I guess I better do something with that old thing.
4: Fine, honey, I'll get rid of it! Does any of this sound familiar? Well, You can turn your used up car, boat, truck, van or motorcycle into the programs you know and love right here on KKFI. All
1: you have to do is go to kkfi.org, find the support tab to donate your wheels, rudders or handlebars, or you can call 816-931-3122 and ask for the development department. That's 816-931-3122 or go to kkfi.org. Thank you so much
4: for your support, and remember, you can hear your old ride in your new one.
0: 90.1 FM, KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio, Urban Connections. I'm your host, Donald Wolf. You got me? I'm your host, Donald Wolf. Our co host, Karen E. Griffin, is in studio along with our intrepid engineer, Jay Hawkins, alongside our guest, uh, Dr. Cecilia Robinson, our local historian who's been working very hard. To preserve the history and the legacy and integrity of the contributions of African Americans in Clay County, uh, Missouri. Now, out of the corner of my eye, <laughs> I'm I'm watching Coco Golf. Not actually, just getting updates on Coco Golf in the U.S. Open, <laughs> we- uh, who's uh, just uh, roared back. Uh, yeah. to send the U.S. Open Women's Final against uh, Ari, Ariana Sabalenka to a decisive third set. I'm rooting for Coco Golf. What yeah. an amazing, uh, amazing young spirit. woman. She's a leader. Absolutely. She's a brilliant leader Absolutely. and a shining example of, of, of strength and integrity, you know, just for the whole world to see. Mm-hmm. So, I digress, but right on, Coco. Go so. <laughs> yes, uh, Dr. Cecilia Robinson, um, you've just shared such amazing information about Clay County, Missouri. If someone is interested in finding out more about Clay County, Missouri, the history of it, uh, how might they proceed? To, to delve deeper into this information you shared.
4: Well, they're welcome to come to Garrison School Cultural Center. We are now a cultural center, um, a museum with at least, uh, we have five exhibit rooms and, an, and the Clay County African American Art Gallery mm-hmm. is located uh, in Garrison. And we have uh, Corbin Theater who is renting from us now when they can come up uh, on, on Monday, first Monday night uh, of the month. There's free jazz that's provided by Corbin Theater. We do partnerships in some programs. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have monthly uh, programs. We, of course, uh, we we do the um, uh, Black History Month programs and Kwanzaa. Yeah. And we have the uh, we do the Martin Luther King celebration that we host at Jewel William Jewell College that we've been doing for almost. Uh, um, more than 38, 39 years, mm-hmm. and so people can come. But you can come to Garrison. We're going to be open uh, one day a week, probably on uh, Fridays for one hour. We've not had a staff to be able to be open other than by appointment, mm-hmm. but you can come, and we've uh, uh-huh. had several open houses uh, this summer. Uh, I'll be giving a walking tour on the 7th of October for the City of Liberty that will include Fairview Cemetery and Garrison School. Mm -hmm. So you can come in and see our exhibit rooms that uh, focus in on uh, history of African Americans from slavery to the present day. And we have a room that is uh, just for the uh, artifacts, 19th century artifacts, with some replica of some sh- uh, shackles. We have oh, history wow. of the, the three or four cities that had the most information and, and, and African-Americans, Excelsior Springs. Of course, when think, people think about the Elms Hotel, I don't know if they know or not, but it was an African-American farmer who discovered the healing waters at Excelsior Springs that, that President Truman used to go to all mm-hmm. the time. and. Mm-hmm. Um, and they owned seven bathhouses there, so it's just it's, it's We have a room that's just dedicated to veterans, uh, of the um, of Clay County African American veterans. So we have a room that we dedicated in this past June to veterans. We have a quilt room, just seven different quilts patterns that are there. We have a uh, room for student uh, research that uh, that uh, they combined. Their work with the Association for the Study of African American Life and and History, mm-hmm. and they do projects and research and and create books and present information yeah. to the community. So and then of course we have a wonderful uh, we have a wonderful gallery. We have a room that's just dedicated to uh, baseball mm-hmm. and uh, the Monarchs and uh, African Americans from Liberty who played with the Monarchs and. We have the women uh, who own the baseball teams and uh, in the Negro League, so we feature all of that. So you have to come. I can't tell you. Yeah. You just have to come over and take a look. I had the honor <laughs>
5: of touring. I was uh, amazing. The one project you did with the. Uh, senior citizens in Palestine. Yes, that was a great migration project. And that was an awesome project to see the younger generation talking to these who have sowed seed for them to have the ability to research them and figure out where were they migrated from. And I'm, I'm glad that you did that project because probably a lot of those seniors have never told their story and a lot of them are afraid to tell their story and I think that's the reason why we don't get a chance to capture that moment like we used to. That's what I miss by sitting at my grandmother's feet (laughs) is hearing the story how she actually picked cotton and then have me the opportunity to interpretate it what it felt like because I'll never understand but when you did that project I was Honored to see the senior citizens' faces light up—that yeah. somebody is honoring me, somebody's writing down my story.
4: And you know, one of the people who participated in that project was our uh, our, our beloved Archie yes. Williams, who yes. was a part of that. And uh, <laughs> we we had um, the the students. There were 90 high school students mm-hmm. and 25 college students that researched the impact of a great migration on society and religion politics, uh, employment, all these and did 50 page books booklets and this mm-hmm. is something that you know other schools can do mm-hmm. if they would come in and see this history I, I mean I think people are so afraid that the only thing we want to talk about is how horrible uh, slavery was and the whipping of, of the enslaved and all of that. That, that's a part of it. Only right. a part of it. But we have so much more that we contributed. When yeah. you think about 8 million African Americans leaving the South during the Great Migration to come to and create Harlem, to come to and create the Motown, to come to and create <laughs> <laughs> 18th and Vine. This is what we have. That was what was Love happening it. during the, the Great Migration. Right. Whereas the, the those that remained in the South remained there and had to be educated in Rosenwald schools, you right. know. And, and, and you come here to these other places, they were hungry for not only an education but a decent job and decent housing because the Industrial Revolution was calling them.
5: Mm-hmm. I, I wish you all could just see her face. And I want to take your up. class. I know her face is I lit didn't up. want to it's take like, your class? <laughs> it is. It is so it, amazing. You it, it, it's it's an honor oh. to be in your presence, Doctor Robinson. You. Your face is Can can right you up. tell
0: us? Can you tell us a little bit about the African American Freedom Fountain in Liberty, Missouri?
4: Yes, that's on the square. It's on the courthouse square where uh, African Americans were sold and in, enslaved and sold. Uh, It's on the northeast corner, I think it's northeast corner of the square, right across the street from the Jesse James Bank, where, you know, (laughs) the the first bank robbery in America took place. And, of course, uh, Jesse James had an African-American stepbrother by the name of Perry Samuel (laughs) and his family. And so we know all of that. But the fountain has a list of over 150 African-American pioneers from liberty Excelsa springs and uh missouri city and uh the schools and the churches are all listed on the back and then if you go out to the fairview cemetery you will find we have panels out there that uh feature and highlight business owners teachers um uh, let me see uh, uh veterans and um let's see what else we have i can't think at the moment because uh, It's too hard for me to think at the moment. But you need to come and, and walk the and walk the pathway up to the fountain and go through and see all of the names of the people touch that fountain touch your family history name and all just need to come to liberty and just see what we have because we have a legacy in in liberty that that it was established even before there was a kansas city missouri
5: say thank you dr robinson absolutely fabulous absolutely
0: fabulous but i'm still wondering how a bank robber i know Jesse James gets a bank named after him. That sounds like some Donald Trump stuff to me, but (laughs) again. Well, you know, I I don't care where you (laughs) go.
4: I don't care where you go, and I've been all over the world in many places. Uh, When you say you're an American, one of the first things they'll ask you is about Jesse James. Mm -hmm. And there's something about an outlaw. I don't know why. But we are fascinated by outlaws, and I guess that's why we're fascinated by Trump and others, like, you know. I don't know. I'm not saying he's okay, an outlaw, don't. but whatever law he's in. Uh. <laughs>
0: but,
4: Thank you but so But the much. notorious, the no- notorious Dr. names.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much for being our guest here Thank today and, and sharing um, your excitement. I, I feel energized uh, just thinking about what you have shared with us here today, and I'm excited and can't wait to see and experience that history uh, that's in Clay County. And now I want to explore Jackson County, Missouri, and Platt County, Missouri. And (laughs) I think we owe it to ourselves to do that.
4: Right. Right. Well, please come. Thank you so much. Please come. Please come to Liberty. Thank you. Give me a call. (laughs) Give us a call. (laughs) Take it away, Karen and Jay.
3: Thanks. All right, Donna, we're going to get ready Donna. for a changing narratives. You're listening to 90.1 FM, KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. That was Donna with a wonderful interview, and uh, we'll be right back after this uh, short little break. Yeah. Karen, I'm sorry, did you want to no, say something before we get, get up out of thanks, here? No, I just
5: to say thanks, Jay, and thank you, Dr. Robinson. Well, thank Appreciate thank you for having you. me. You're more than welcome.
3: Okay, yes. okay. All right.
2: All
4: right.